Oh. And welcome to the A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. I'm Charlie Burris. That, as always, is Zach Reagan. Wherever you listen throughout the world, we thank you so much for listening to us. Zach and I talk everything balls every week here on the Big Orange Podcast. And if that sounds like something you want to listen to regularly, go over to the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed on Spotify, Apple, and rate review. But most importantly, subscribe. If you do subscribe, you won't miss any of our episodes when we drop them on Mondays. Speaking of Mondays, it is one right now, and it is 4 p.m. Eastern time on Monday. And that means that we are live streaming on YouTube. Go over to the YouTube. Hit the subscribe button, hit the notification bell, hit the like button on this very video, and uh, then come hang out with us and comment and be a part of the show. We get so many awesome viewers every week that uh, we they leave comments, we talk about them, fun little back and forth. So you can be one of those people if you go over to the YouTube channel, E to Z Sports Nashville on YouTube, and subscribe there. At Charlie underscore Burris, at Zach TNT. At A to Z Sports, A to Z Sports Nashville.com and A to Z Sports.com for all the stuff that Zach writes on the internet. Plus, uh, well, no, I actually think that's it. I ran out of uh, stuff to say. Okay. So, Zach, you know, I went to the orange and white game over uh, the weekend. They gave us press passes. We got to do the show live from the field. Uh, the Neyland Stadium field. And uh, we had major technical difficulties. It was really fun <laughs> for the people that watched. Um, my computer overheated. Uh, then the audio messed up. And then finally, like eight or nine minutes in, we got it ironed out uh, for, a, for a solid like 25 minutes there where we were able to talk. But uh, it was it was a good time, man. What's up, Zach? Yeah, I'm not going to say we got it ironed out. That was pretty much all you leading the charge there. I was just... <laughs> in panic mode trying to figure out what to do just kind of looking around aimlessly and you were able to figure it out and find a much better location for us that worked out pretty well till we about got kicked off the field because apparently they were shutting things down and whatever it did. It looked like they were washing the field it looked like literal soap that was on the field that they were going it was like sudsy was did you see the same thing there i did and i don't we we were so close to it we got like sprayed by whatever that was it was some sort of foam that they were putting on the field i don't know if it's some kind of protectant or some sort of like i i legitimately don't know i mean i like to care for my own yard but i've never done anything like that i i don't know what it was but of course they're they got that big budget over there for for the grass at neeland uh so who knows what they're doing yeah you could tell the the field if you, if you were there at the game and you saw the end zones you noticed that the the checkerboards weren't quite as crisp as you normally would see. I mean, sometimes in the spring game, they don't even have the end zones painted. It looked like they had just kind of left it there and let the grass grow up through the orange and the white, which you could see coming through is what made it look kind of sketchier. Maybe it's just where they're letting the grass grow out a little bit for whatever spring maintenance purpose. But whatever the case, it uh, it was a good time and a great turnout for the spring game. Just an incredible turnout. I mean, me and you went down – kind of into the stands on the visitor's side to watch the quarterbacks warm up before the game started. And just making our way through the concourse was almost impossible. I mean, even 20 minutes before the game started, we were trying to go back up to the press box. We had to go outside Neyland Stadium and walk around to get back to the uh, entrance to the press box. So uh, 
not a lot of places you have a turnout like that in April for a spring football game. Yeah, it was really wild. And, and we're going to touch on the stuff that we didn't uh, touch on in that live stream because it was it was it was a little short because we were on the field because it was kind of a, a special thing. We didn't let go of all of our thoughts in that live stream from from the field in Neyland Stadium. But if you haven't watched that, go over and definitely do watch that before we get into everything. I got to tell you about our amazing sponsors. First up, Superbook Sports. There's no better place to wager on your favorite sports than Superbook Sports. Go to Superbook.com. Download the app today, Superbook Sports, Radlin Snap, Tennessee Whiskey from Log Still Distillery. Make your own luck, just like Tennessee football's fast-paced Radlin Snap offense. With Radlin Snap, Tennessee Whiskey, Omaha Steaks, get $20 off uh, your order of perfectly aged steaks, juicy burgers, and decadent desserts with our promo code VOLS, that is V-O-L-S, Omaha Steaks. And finally, Farm Bureau Health Plans for better coverage, better rates, and better service. FBHP.com slash A-T-O-Z is the place to go. Farm Bureau Health Plans, you may... Notice uh, for the non-casual viewers here who tune into us more often, I am a skosh under the weather. Um, very responsible of me to hang out with Zach all day two days ago, and I and I was like, yeah, I think I'm I'm getting over whatever this was. I, th- I think I'm good. And then the very next day, I was like hacking up a lung, and and suddenly I was like, oh crap, I might be sicker than I thought. So that's cool. Apologies to Zach if I uh, got him sick. We rode in a car together. That was uh, not. <laughs> probably not ideal so hopefully if he gets sick later this week just know it is all my fault and i apologize <laughs> profusely to him um but uh yeah I, I like ashton says in the comments he says take a sip of that whiskey the the great folks at rattle and snap whiskey may have given me a cold remedy here whatever this may be uh but maybe i'll have to try that a little bit later um but overall on, t- on today's show um it's gonna be our main takeaways from spring ball. Then we're going to talk about, so basketball, it's it's really the complete lack of basketball news is what we're going to talk about. What's happening? What is going on with the basketball team? No news on any of the dudes who are deciding to stay or go. No news from the transfer portal. No news on anything. What exactly does that mean? Then we're also going to talk about some recruiting. And then we're going to wrap it up uh, with the baseball team which just got their butt kicked all over the place by Arkansas. So that was really fun. Um, I just, on that last game, I just, I didn't even watch. They got down six to zero. Didn't want to watch. I'm not going to ruin my Sunday like that. Uh, So not great. Um, But thanks to everybody for tuning in. Ashton, Nugs, Salem. uh, We appreciate you all. Uh, As I said, go over to the comments. And, and get in here because uh, we're open and running. Whatever you may want to weigh in on the show, uh, you can leave it there wherever you might be watching in the comments and, and we'll talk about it. But before uh, we get in to our first topic of the day, which is going to be, and I'll give you time to think about this, Zach, your single biggest takeaway from the spring game. We, we hit on this from the field, but I think my answer has potentially changed here. I said it was the crowd is very cool but actually i think i have a different one now so uh we're, we're gonna get into that right after i tell you about the amazing folks at superbook sports baseball is back and the push for the postseason is on for hockey and basketball make it all count this spring with superbook sports superbook sports is the best wagering app around with a direct line to experience bookmakers behind the counter in las vegas plus Get a $250 bonus when you sign up, deposit, and wager in the same day. Don't let spring pass you by. 
Without winning money with Superbook Sports, visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-889-9789. Superbook Sports. Now, throw it to you, Zach. Have, has your answer to that question changed at all? Your biggest takeaway from the spring game? Um, I, I'm i not sure if I remember exactly what you said, but uh, what was your top uh, thing that you noticed? I'm not sure I remember what I said on Saturday either, but after a couple of days of, you know, looking over the spring game stuff and reflecting back on it, I think really the biggest takeaway for me is that it was just further confirmation of how Josh Heupel operates as a head coach. Uh, Sitting there watching that entire game, you realize that there was, I mean, you realize pretty quickly that you weren't going to see a whole lot of excitement because Josh Heupel just wasn't going to show his cards. He's got, New personnel, you know, coming in this season, new quarterback, some new receivers, uh, some run- different running backs he'll be able to use with with uh, Cam Seldon coming in, Deshaun Bishop, some young guys that got a lot of run with the other guys out. Plus, Dylan Sampson's a little more experienced now and could play a bigger role in 2023. But with the wide receivers out, everything surrounding that game, you you were never going to see a whole lot of just craziness. You weren't going to see the trying to create mismatches with Tennessee's, you know, own defense, uh, the switch releases, the bunch format. We, we saw like maybe one or two bunch formations, I think. Maybe there was more at the end of the game when we were kind of walking around uh, down on the field checking things out. But it just wasn't the typical Tennessee offense, and I think that was 100% by design. I think it was – I think there were things that, were, that they worked on specifically just like you would any other practice because at the end of the day, it's a 15 – it was the 15th practice of – the spring i mean there was work to be done and they were working on those certain things so obviously not what we're going to see and i I think hypo really puts a lot of importance on what he puts on film like i don't think he wants to give things away i think he wants to create chaos and confusion in the meeting rooms for whoever their you know tennessee's opponent's going to be on a given week and the, the more that he can confuse them by not putting stuff on tape or putting certain things on tape and there might have been some of that too that that we didn't, that maybe we didn't recognize that he did, that maybe some co- other coaching staffs will will have to prepare for. And I think that's great. I mean, I know there's – we've lamented the college football game at times and how coaches are overly secretive with their practices and stuff. But at the same time, I do think there is a chess match that you can play there, and I think Josh Heupel plays it as well as anyone. I believe his exact words in the press conference after the game were, this is not real football. I think that yeah. was – so that was a nearly direct quote from Josh Heifel mm-hmm. in the post game. Um, and that was absolutely true. And that, that's why I think my, my main takeaway has changed. I mean, the, I did love, love, love the crowd. It was absolutely unbelievable. You already said it here. It was to, to get to where you wanted to go anywhere in that game. It was absolutely shoulder to shoulder. Now there was kind of some reasoning for that. I don't, I don't want to say it was poor planning because it wasn't really poor planning. I just think there was almost nothing you could do about it. But uh, they had closed off uh, with the south end zone, I think. Um, the side closest to the river. Yes, to and that, that was for uh, construction. So you couldn't sit there. So the stadium was smaller than normal. And then tons of people were there, and every seat was general admission. And so basically, the people who were really early got there, got to their seat. That was good. And then that started to fill up and fill up and fill up and fill up and fill up. And then suddenly... There was really no seats in that bottom part. And like a bunch of people were coming in trying to get seats at the bottom and they really just needed to go straight to the top. And so it got super, super cramped. 
Um, yeah, I mean, we we had to go all the way out of the stadium and over to get to where we needed to go. It was that crammed. It was crazy. And I love that. This fan base is getting something that it has long deserved, which is a great product on the football field. And, and that's phenomenal. Josh Heupel is, is providing that. And God bless him for that. It's so nice to have it finally be here again. Um, and, and so, you know, fans are kind of paying it back now saying, yeah, we'll give you our five bucks. We'll come and give you our time. And, and so that was amazing. But I, I think my main takeaway is this. I I tried to, to come up with sort of a non, I guess, normie take on the quarterback situation. That's the right word to use there. Um, and and maybe I have. I, I don't know. I'm sure plenty of other people have said this. I haven't listened to all the podcasts of everybody else. But um, probably my main takeaway is this. It's going to be touch and go if Joe Milton makes any mistakes this season. Because <laughs> we said this in the post game. Um, they didn't do enough with Nico to where fans are going to be calling for him to be the starter. At least I don't think so. And I think Mm -hmm. they, maybe they did that on purpose. Very bland with the playbook. You said it there. They're trying to hide their hand, not show too much. Uh, And, and so maybe it was purposeful in that way too, in that they were like, we're not going to create a quarterback controversy within this fan base here. But Nico looked good enough to where if Milton messes up, and I look to probably the Florida game primarily because it. I think that Virginia team is going to stink out loud and Tennessee should steamroll them pretty much no matter how Joe plays. Uh, but we'll talk about that when the season gets closer. Uh, but I look at that Florida game and if things are going haywire at that point, I think it's going to be full blown. Get Nico out there. Nico time in Tennessee. And you're... I don't know how you avoid that. The only way that they could have avoided that is having him not play in the spring game. And I think you would have forfeited a decent chunk of your attendance numbers if you did that. And so, man, it's tough. That That's like, honestly, there's a ton to take away. We're going to talk about more of it. But I just think when you're talking about your main takeaway, that was one where I watched and I was like, Ugh, he's good enough. I mean, that throw to Ethan Davis where he dropped it in right over his shoulder, man. Fans see that and they're going to be salivating if if overthrow Joe shows up. And so that's uh, concerning, but also, as I said, kind of unavoidable, I think. Yeah, I mean, we did see Joe, uh, you know, overthrow a couple of small overthrows there. But again, it, it's a spring game. It's not the wide receivers that he'll be playing with. It's just it's just a practice. And you hate to you. I just I hate to make some huge judgment based on these one practice when you have 15 spring practices you're going to have all these countless fall and summer practices leading into the season and this is just one snippet of of the work that they've put in so you know there might have been a practice where joe looked great and nico didn't look great or or vice versa like you you just don't know because you know nobody really gets to see that that stuff i I am kind of surprised that they didn't at least let one or one of the wide receivers just kind of go on a go route and maybe I don't know. I don't know if you would tell a safety to back off or a cornerback to back off, but at least just go on a go route and see what happens. I mean, put one of your weaker cornerbacks and just let Joe Milton complete that long pass just to kind of give like, hey, yeah, that's that's the guy moving forward. Like, I know that might be a a little bit too, like, heady for, for maybe Tennessee to think about doing. Like, they're more worried about, 
you know, getting their work in, like we mentioned, more so than probably fan perception. But I am kind of surprised that they didn't let a few of those fly, just for the fans, if nothing else. Yeah, that that's a good point. I I would say this. I mean, we we got to go down onto the field and and be around everything that happened afterwards. And obviously we were in the press conferences afterwards too. And if you observed that closely and, and fans could have from the sidelines and maybe some did, but if you observe that closely and especially the, the press conference afterwards, it is very obvious that this is Joe Milton's team. Mm-hmm. And so with my, my point being said, I mean, my biggest takeaway is you will have fans screaming at the top of their lungs for Nico if, if bad Joe shows up. But I also think if, you know, if you watch closely down on the field in the locker room, this is his team. He has put in his time and he acts like a leader and, and is, and is a leader, you know, and that's going to mean probably that his leash is decently long. I have no idea what it is. It's not like I'm behind closed doors with, Josh Heupel, but I would just bet, you know, they're, they're not going to quickly just go, Oh, well the fans want it. Here's, here's Nico. We're pulling Joe. Unless he's just egregiously bad. And I don't think he's going to be, but you, you see the fine points of it on the sideline in, in the locker room, in the press conference, you know, Joe's the guy Nico defaults to Joe. Mm -hmm. Like he looks up to him. In, in, you know, a big brother way. And so I think it's going to give Joe a, a pretty decent leash there. But who knows exactly what that means as far as, you know, as Josh Heupel's call. So who knows exactly where he goes with that. But just <coughs> oh, there's this the cult. Sorry, Zach, maybe. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I just think I, I walk away thinking that also, along with the fact that fans are going to be calling for Nico if, if Joe doesn't bring it. Um, but you know that that's that's just like my top one. There are plenty of other ones. Some that we mentioned. Ethan Davis really showed out. Cam Seldon really showed out. Uh, who who else? Uh, the um, from Carnes, the running oh, back. Deshaun uh, Bishop. Deshaun Bishop showed out, and he. You know, I I said that in the post game show. If we end up seeing him this season, that means somebody got hurt. But I like the kid a lot. I like that he's in the room. Um, defense. It's hard to take a lot away because the offense was just in a shell of itself. Top four wide receivers weren't playing. I mean, none, none of the top talent wide receivers were playing. N- neither of the top two running backs were playing. Uh, you know, th- there's just not a lot to take from the defense because even, you know, at defensive back where we really, really want to see improvement, well, they were going against dudes that probably aren't going to play that much. If and they weren't challenged a ton, year. to be honest. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, because people walked away saying, oh, well, the, the defense really looks improved. And I go, yes, they did. That's absolutely true. But how much weight do I put on that? I, I think the thing that I can walk away and say with certainty is that there is a ton more depth with the defense. But can I say with any kind of certainty that they're super improved? No, because I don't think we really saw them play any kind of high level competition there uh, just because of the nature of what that was. But. I maybe you have a different take on the defense. I mean, it was pretty much the same. I thought the run defense looked really good, but also they were just kind of running between the tackles. It didn't seem like they were making a lot of changes with the call at the line where they're reading the defense the way they would in a regular season game. They were just trying to get the running back some 
you know, some carries. And then we saw a couple decent runs, but we saw a lot stopped at the line or, or shortly, you know, right behind the line. And but that was to be expected. The, the run defense was good last season. That's not a surprise. We expected that. What we really wanted to see is if the defensive line to get pressure with the front four and and get to the quarterback faster than, you know, that they can find a receiver downfield to really allow the secondary to, to have some, you know, not have to be out there for 10 seconds, six seconds, however long to play last, trying to defend some of these elite receivers. And we just didn't get to see that because of the offensive play calling. Yeah, some of the comments here kind of in agreement with us here Salem he says I think Joe would have looked much better if he had his wide receivers in pretty much had to go against the first team secondary with second team wide receivers absolutely mm-hmm. uh, Elias says how many of Milton's incompletions were still good throws he was definitely not given huge windows Abs- absolutely as far as the offense goes I hope nobody is fretting over the fact that oh there was only what no. 17 points or whatever was the winning you know it, it and was like an Joe Milton said of that offense and like Joe Milton said after the game, with and, and also going to what Josh Heupel said that you mentioned, it wasn't real football. Joe Milton mentioned that too. Whereas they didn't really get to improvise at all because some of those sacks where they just touch, you know, they're basically playing two-hand touch with the quarterback, a lot of those aren't sacks. A lot of those you get out of, they we see that all the time where you think that the quarterback is going down. You think that the defense has them and somehow they get out of it. We didn't get to see if Joe Milton's improved in that area, what kind of plays he could have made happen when he's on the move or whatever the case may be. It was just so much that we did not get to see. We got to see a little bit of that from from Nico on that one throw to Ethan Davis down the sideline. And a couple of other times you got to see his ability that I, I thought was good for a kid that should still be in high school. I thought he had good vision and knew when to escape the pocket and when to get on the move and try to find somebody down the field. But but even then, with the way the game was called, uh, because wanting to protect the quarterbacks, you still get, did not get to see his full skill set. And I think that's part of the reason why Gaston Moore, just kind of the story coming out of the game, why he kind of looked folks thought he looked the best well the game was kind of suited to his style like that's kind of yeah that's what he's going to do if the if you get to a point where Gaston Moore has to play the offense would probably be a little bit more like what we saw in the spring game and not quite as exotic as what you would see with maybe Milton and Nico in there yeah that's a great point uh and and Nuggs says on Joe Milton Joe went nine for 13 three of those were drops He's the man until he's not. Let's relax on Joe. Completely in agreement there. Uh, you know, me me saying that the fans will go crazy for Nico if Joe screws up is me just saying that. I'm not saying I'm going to be one of those people. Dep- I mean, it depends on how it Joe plays. It always happens. It always happens. Yeah. If, if, if Nico was not in, on this team right now and Taven Jackson was still on this team and was the backup, it'd be the same situation. It's all, I mean, yeah. The backup quarterback's always a superstar, and you want to see him in the game. It doesn't matter who it is. Yeah, he's when when your starting quarterback is screwing up, the best guy on the team's your backup quarterback. Yeah, <laughs> that's always true. Tennessee fan. I mean, in recent years with Pruitt and going back to Butch, we knew that life well when we were having to watch uh, you know JG go out there and throw a bunch of picks and look ridiculous, and uh, you know, turns out the guys behind him. You know, weren't uh, weren't any better. We just thought they might be. Um, but otherwise, with the spring game, uh, was there anything else, Zach? Before we hit some other stuff with football, we're we're still gonna talk a little bit. 
about it. Yeah, I think this is an interesting comment here from Salem. Do you think there's a bigger need at tight end with the first string dropping the balls left and right and with Ethan Davis being hurt? The Ethan Davis injury is definitely the the worst thing that came out of that spring game because he easily looked maybe the best of anybody on the field at steel positions. I really looked like, okay, this guy can be a star in the SEC. He can be an NFL player. He's that type of talent. Hopefully he's okay for fall camp. I mean, it's tough to know the exact timeline. Uh, obviously that's the hope and he might play more than we expected. You usually don't expect a freshman tight end to play that much because there's so much responsibility that a tight end has beyond just catching the ball. But the thing with Tennessee's offense is, you know, they used tight ends last year because of their personnel and what they wanted to run and went with more three wide receiver sets. They're not opposed to going with four wide receiver sets. And we've seen that uh, this spring with some comments that Kelsey Pope has made where it really just depends on the personnel. And if they feel like, the tight ends aren't exactly where they want them to be, then maybe you see Brew McCoy, Squirrel White, Ramel Keaton, and, and Dante Thornton on the field all at the same time more than we expected. I mean, that's certainly a possibility. I don't know if they're going to go portal hunting for a tight end this soon because it's in this offense, there's just so much that you have to learn. You have to have good chemistry with everybody on the, you know, from the quarterback to the receivers and knowing where to go and knowing where to be. It would be a lot to go get somebody in May, I think, and expect them to play a big role this season. I agree. Uh, yeah, the tight ends outside of Ethan Davis, Ethan Davis, very exciting. And, you know, I, I think with that injury, it, it looks like it's trending collarbone. I don't know that anything's come out officially there yet or even will. Um, but if it is just collarbone, he'll, he'll be back for the season, should be. Um, and, uh, yeah, I I agree. <laughs> That's it's such an important piece to that offense, and it it didn't inspire a ton of confidence. I mean, it, it just didn't. After Princeton fan was so fun and, and really had a special season last year, but but of course you, you think back. I mean, did Princeton fan have a magical spring game last season? I, honestly, I don't I don't know if he even played. What he did, who knows? It's a spring game, so I will put it that way. I'm not sure what they're thinking behind closed doors as far as the tight ends go, but I know that Josh Heupel in this offense put a ton of value on the tight ends and that they're trying very hard. I mean, it's why they went so hard for Ethan Davis. He's a very highly rated tight end. I mean, they need good guys at that position. But Ethan, Ethan, Davis, Ethan Davis getting back, I think, could be big. I, I could see him playing. You know, he's young. Not sure if he would be a, a blocking type dude. But I mean, I, I think you saw in that game, like he has the ability to play immediately for Tennessee if he has his health. So I still it, think you're going to see a lot of, I still think you're going to see a lot of Jacob Warren on the field just because that guy knows the offense so well. Yeah. And we've heard him this talked about like another coach and he can have guys where they need to be if there's any confusion since, I mean, it is. You know, you bring in Dante Thornton in, Storer White, who didn't play, you know, played a lot last year, but didn't play as much as some of the other receivers. Young running backs, new offensive line, just having a veteran out there like Jacob Warren that's not the quarterback to try, kind of help get everybody where they need to be and make sure everything is going the right way, kind of an on-field coach. I think that's there's a lot of value there. Like Jacob Warren's probably not going to be an NFL guy. Um Hopefully he improves this season and gets an even better. I think he's a good player. I think he does a lot of thing, little things that you don't really notice or don't show up in the box store necessarily. So I, I do think he's a valuable person to have on this team and, and to see significant snaps. 
I agree. Um, well, I'll, I'll throw this to you to wrap up the football conversation here, Zach, um, before we get to recruiting. Um, try to think exactly how to phrase this. So for the rest of the offseason, your spring ball, obviously over. We're not going to see much outside of recruiting for the rest of uh, the spring and summer. Yeah, until early August, probably. Yeah, this is this is really it. RIP, sweet football. We'll, <laughs> we'll see on the other side. Um, but, uh, you know, what, what are you looking for during this stretch, this dead stretch? Is, is it that you are looking to just hear nothing? That's, that can be a good sign that you hear nothing. Or is there something that you want to see with the team when, when fall ball rolls back around and you go like, oh man, they've really improved there. They've done this. They've done that. What, where do you want to see some emphasis laid with this football team over the, the off season? Yeah, I think there's two things, and one of them is something that Josh Heupel mentioned, and it'll be it'll kind of be tough to notice. But first off, stay out of trouble. You know, don't get into any controversies. Don't get something. Don't do something that's going to get you suspended, kicked off the team. Uh, anything that's going to generate a headline. You know, obviously that's I'm I'm not looking for negative headlines. You know, you you don't want to see that kind of stuff. Secondly, Josh Heupel talked about uh, a lot of guys needing to bulk up still, and that's kind of the focus for the team is putting some more mass, some more muscle through the summer, working out, you know, just being coming a more physical team and a team that can hold up in the trenches against teams like Georgia. I mean, it's not just you know, this program has gone from, okay, you, you expect to win the game against Florida. You expect to win – these games against Kentucky and some of these other teams that are pretty decent in the SEC. But now, you know, their focus needs to be on beating Georgia, beating Alabama consistently. That's the only way you're going to win a national championship. And trust me, that's Josh Heupel's goal. I mean, he is not a, we're building this thing. We're trying to make this program relevant again. I mean, he's going out there to win a championship in 2023. Whether it happens or not, we'll see. You know, it's, it, you can't predict the future, but make no mistake, his his goals are are set pretty high and he knows to do that. His team's gonna have to be a little more physical, a little a little bigger to go head to head with Georgia and Alabama and, and maybe in Ohio State or some of these other teams that you could see in a playoff, possibly. Yeah, I kind of have two things too. Those are good points. Uh I mean, first it seems very obvious. You we didn't see anything real with this offense. You somehow have to find a way to make this offense at least an approximation of what you had last year. That was magic. You had, even even after injuries, I mean, that that offense was magic. They found a way. So I believe this offseason, they can find a way. I believe in Joe Milton and his ability and Josh Heupel's ability to work that offense around Joe Milton and around the tight end situation and around whatever may happen there. Um, and, and So that one is completely obvious. Then I think one would be making sure your depth guys are real guys, <laughs> you know, that they're not. Yeah, you have warm bodies now, and that's amazing. And and it's kind of to that point of like bulking guys up and some things like that. Um, you know, if, if your depth pieces are freshmen, which at some positions that is the case, make sure they get that bulk on them. If your depth pieces are, are a little further along and, and maybe even upperclassmen, Make sure that they're prepared and that they are at least near where the starters are because, yeah, it's, it's great to have depth, but if your depth does <laughs> comes in and is useless, you know, what good is it really doing you? Um, because it, it, has, it has been an exciting prospect during this spring football 
you know, and Hypel's brought it up a ton. Like they finally have the guys, but will that translate into like, if you have a similar situation last year where you have a bunch of injuries in the secondary, will that translate into the guys behind them still playing well? That, you know, that, that has to happen for Tennessee to go the long haul in a, in a 12 game regular season. Cause that's man, it, they, you get beat up, you're going to need that depth. And so they, they got to be the real deal too, uh, as much as the starters. So that's kind of what I would say. How refreshing is it that you're talking about Josh Heupel praising the depth and some of the other coaches have as well entering year three when it was year five of the Butch Jones era in 2017 and they were still talking about trying to build depth and using that as an excuse. It's so nice to not – I mean, Tennessee could still use more depth. They're still not where Georgia and Alabama is. They're not. I mean, they're much better off than they were uh, two years ago, better off than they were a year ago, but they still have a little ways to go to build that kind of depth. But you don't hear that coming from the program. You don't hear that at all, and that is so refreshing to hear. No excuses. We don't want to hear them. They don't want to give them. Just go out and win these football games. Yep, everybody um, deals with stuff. Yeah, exactly. Everybody's playing a 12-game season. You're not special. Um, all right. I think that is it for uh, the the spring game talk. Now, moving on to recruiting. Tennessee got a commitment from Idris Farouk, uh, a, a safety. And we're going to talk about that right after I tell you about our great sponsor, Rattle and Snap Tennessee Whiskey. Nothing goes better with a Tennessee sports victory than an awesome whiskey. And uh, if you if you watch the post-game shows with myself and Jonathan Crompton during this past football season, during those 11 wins. We like to take a drink of this here. Very awesome whiskey. Rattlin' Snap Tennessee Select Straight Whiskey. Log Still Distillery has released a new Tennessee whiskey product line called Rattlin' Snap Tennessee Whiskey. Named after a long-forgotten game of chance, Rattlin' Snap is a whiskey for those who make their own luck. There's a four-year and an eight-year version. This is the four-year. They're both awesome. They both go great in cocktails. They both uh, are great straight up. So go get your hands on some. Uh, and, you know, also, I, I guess this this is proof right here. They also look great on the shelf. It's a beautiful label. Uh, you can find it in uh, across the state of Tennessee. Rattle and Snap is also available in Kentucky, Indiana, and Mississippi. If you live there, run. Don't walk. Get yourself some Rattle and Snap Tennessee whiskey for those Tennessee victories. And follow Rattle and Snap on Instagram at Rattle and Snap whiskey. Rattle and Snap Tennessee whiskey. Now we're supposed to give the uh, the Rattle and Snap Tennessee stat, and uh, I guess I can give you this about Idris Farouk. Um, he is a three-star, number 55 safety in the 247 sports rankings, number 561 nationally in the 247 sports composite. In the composite, he's the number 47 safety in America, class of 2024 from Baltimore, Maryland. There's some stats on him right there. And this was just uh, after... The spring game, there were a ton of visitors at the spring game, and we can talk about that too. But what do you think about this pickup, Zach? I mean, it's exactly what Tennessee needs, uh, a versatile safety that can defend against the run. He can cover. He can you – know, super athletic guy. It's also another example of Tennessee staff evaluating. I mean, they offered this guy like a year ago or, or maybe over a year ago. He's seen his stock rise. They they saw something they liked early, kind of like the Nathan Laycock deal where they were on him early. And then later on, the evaluations from the recruiting services kind of catch up. And you're like, okay, this guy's really good. So should give you a lot of confidence about this staff's ability to evaluate talent. 
Uh, obviously, they're they're pretty much nailing that, I think. And it's just, you know, fills a position of need. Uh, it's kind of interesting. It seems like they've had got a couple of guys from Baltimore lately. And Dante Thornton is originally from Baltimore as well. So maybe that can become a nice little pipeline for him and go up there and rob some some players from, from some Big Ten teams up there. Please. Because uh, the Big the Big Ten doesn't deserve them. That's not a real football league. You can come down here uh, to the south and actually play with some real teams. Um, no, I, I, I like this a lot. It does kind of go to our point last week where do I like these pickups? Absolutely. I think this kid is, is good. There's that same kind of talk around him where it's like, okay, you give him another year. He's probably that that stock's going to go higher than what he's got at the moment. Um, but it isn't that elite recruit that you're going to go and consistently beat your Georgias and Alabamas with. Um, but the the story to me at, at this point with guys like this is just that you you work with with what you have in front of you. And and that's what Josh Heupel and his staff, I think, are are doing. Obviously, on defense, there is a bit of an element of a, a pro- probably a harder sell <laughs> than, than that offense with Josh Heupel because obviously your defense plays like 90 plus snaps in some games and kind of, especially this last season, becomes a villain when uh, maybe sometimes they shouldn't. Uh, you know, I'm not going to give him a pass on something like the South Carolina game. Don't give up 63 points ever. But in some other games, you know, they they just get worn ragged because of the style of play, and they just can't hold up at the end. Like the you know Purdue in, in that in Heupel's first year in the bowl game, like something like that, where they just at the end of the game they're just they got nothing left in the tank, and so they can't cover anymore. And and so it's it it can be a tough sell, and you're still getting kids in the door and. As far as recruiting goes this past weekend with all the recruits that were here, and there were some important ones uh, around uh, Camarion Franklin and uh, some, uh, some of the other guys. I'd have to go back and look at the list. But um, some important dudes that you want, that's got to be an impressive thing that they saw this weekend, and, and that's really good. I mean, it's a spring game. I don't know what the attendance numbers were across the league, for spring games, but I got to think that Tennessee was at the very top or close to the very top in America. And that has to be super impressive. Also, they get to see the the family atmosphere. They get to see everything that happened in a little bit more of a laid back setting rather than an actual game week where, you know, Tennessee's going to play Alabama. Well, it's great that those recruits got to see that Alabama game, but at the same time, you're getting a very different experience here because there's not that game week pressure going on and all the things that kind of come along with that. So I'm, I'm excited uh, overall, just keep doing what we're doing and keep chugging along. And I, there, there are guys in the pipeline right now that Tennessee is talking to. And I, I think they'll land some of these blue chips, but uh, it's, it's going to be a little while longer. I think. Yeah. I think your point about the spring game is and recruiting Tennessee's really kind of getting on a level with Alabama and Georgia and in that range where you go to a spring game and you got a lot of fans, you got fans that know the recruits when they see them, you've got former players. I mean, there are a ton of former players there on Saturday. And Josh Heupel said there was over 300 in for the weekend, but you got guys like Hendon hooker, just walking around Jawan Jennings, just walking around Ramon Foster, Alante Taylor, you know, who had a great year for the new Orleans saints, like all these NFL players just kind of walking around amongst uh, a, a lot of these recruits and they're just kind of all mixing in and seeing each other and 
I mean, that's huge. I mean, that's a huge selling point. And then the family atmosphere, they definitely saw that. We saw it. I know we talked about it on a Saturday during the live stream, but you had players, uh, families of players that were wanting to take pictures with like Nico and Joe Milton and some of the bigger name players. And they, these guys didn't hesitate. I mean, at one point, Brew McCoy was holding somebody's kid for a photo and was just, you know, handing the kid back into the stands. I mean, it's that. It's it's seriously, that. I saw Joe Milton holding kids. I mean, it's that kind of environment where it really is this family atmosphere where even the parents of these players, you can just tell the relationships that they have with other parents of players and they they all get along families kind of out there on the field it it it's a it's a great vibe i mean the vibe in general we've been to a ton of these spring games i've yeah the first one i went to and covered as you know media was uh, butch jones first spring game back in 2013 and just the vibe and not that the vibe there was ever bad uh especially those early ones you know going to the spring games but this spring game felt different to me it felt felt a lot different it just there was this energy in the air where it was just like it's like going to a, a family cookout where you really want to be there and everybody's happy and smiling. It's just a good time. Like it had that kind of feeling to me. I think there's real there's just real belief again. And you can tell from from the fans down to the players. The players believe in what Hypel is doing. Obviously, Hypel believes in himself. And the fans believe in everything that's happening there. And it all just flows together. It it is it creates a real it's the right word like synergy when you when you're there. You can just kind of you can feel it. It's like tangible in the air where there's not this this air hanging over everything of just like hey, we want you know with Butch it was like we won 9 games last year, but also you know, we lost to Vandy in the season. Was it really that good? Is Butch really the guy? Is the you know, there was just always this nonsense kind of hanging mm-hmm. over everything. And right now with Hypo, like obviously things can take a turn, but he is, he's shown this fan base. Like <laughs> it's okay to really believe in what's happening with this football team, with this athletic program. And so, man, I, I think that's it, it, so different, so refreshing, so exciting. I love it. Um, but I, th- there was a, yeah, there was, so there was a comment right here, Salem, he asks, who do y'all think will be the best chance to be the next splash blue chip recruit to commit to the Vols? Lots of developmental players lately, it seems. That, that's a good way to describe them. Developmental players, guys that they're not there yet, but the potential is there. That has been who Tennessee has been getting lately. A couple of offensive linemen last week. I mean, they did and, get a four-star quarterback that's a top 60 player you know, yeah. a couple of weeks ago. So it hasn't all been yeah. developmental no. guys. According to the 247 Sports Composite, the number one quarterback from the state of Georgia committed to Tennessee. So I would say that was the the last one. You would call him borderline blue chip. Uh, I mean, you have uh, the the wide receiver, um, uh, not Camarion Franklin's defensive line. It's uh, Ryan Wingo, wide receiver. Uh, I, I think there there's a chance there. Franklin, you know, so, some of those guys, I'll say I'm, I'm not VolQuest. They would really be the ones to kind of give you like, like they go and text those kids and talk to those kids and do all of those things. I can only tell you so much, but I, I do think from everything that I've seen that is coming. This class will not go out hanging only on three stars. That's not going to happen. Obviously they've already gotten four stars like that quarterback and some other guys. 
but it's it'll it'll come around it again because Tennessee had such a great year last year. I mean, the, you're you're going to get guys. One that I like, Wingo, a wide receiver. I think you're going to get a special wide receiver in this class. It just but, seems almost inevitable because of how great the the set of wide receivers has been under Heupel, right? That has to happen. Especially if Hyatt and Tillman go pretty high in the draft in uh, yeah. what two two weeks or a little over a week from now. Absolutely. You know, one thing, one other thing about the recruiting that I've kind of noticed, I guess, this past couple of weeks is Tennessee has like nine commits in their class right now. They're ranked number seven in the nation. I don't know what the exact numbers were a year ago, but it felt like the class was nearly full. Like we were talking about like, yeah, they just have a couple more spots left to fill. At one time, Alabama was ranked like way low because they had what, like three or four commits. A lot of these bigger name guys don't commit until later. And to me, that tells tells me that, yeah, Tennessee's going to be in the mix for quite a few talented guys that other top programs are going for. Obviously, you have to go land those guys uh, to round out your class, but they're getting more in line with the way some of those top five recruiting classes are built, where a lot of the guys kind of come on late. I think a big one would be uh, like an Edwin Spillman, you know, in-state. Uh, that that could be one coming up. And yeah, to to your point, they typically commit later you know, like so, Alabama has five commits right now so yeah, Tennessee's kind of just above them whereas a year ago there was this wild variance and a lot of Tennessee you know they fell down I don't know what Tennessee ended up with like the number 10 class maybe last year when they were top five for a while and they fell down because they were propped up a little bit by volume more than right I mean they had a great class but that was why it fell down the 10th where it had been top five for a while let's see some of these other ones you are from like just from the state of Tennessee just looking you already have Caleb Beasley Boo Carter everything that I've read says you know yes. there's definitely other teams in the mix there but he's probably coming to Tennessee S four star Edwin Spillman four star he's probably coming to Tennessee there's some of these other guys and, and it just takes more time so I think Boo Carter's kind of enjoying nothing wrong with this I think he's kind of enjoying the recruiting process and isn't really in a hurry to to shut every shut all that down but it does feel pretty strongly that he's going to be at Tennessee yeah, I think so. And and that's obviously that's imperative. You got to get the best guys out of the state of Tennessee if you're going to be the head coach of Tennessee here. Mm-hmm. Um, unless you're Jeremy Pruitt. He never really cared about that. But otherwise, as as far as recruiting goes, that really was the bulk of it. I mean, it was a big weekend uh, with visitors and such. But again, that's not we, we weren't over there talking to all of them, try, trying to schmooze with the recruits and, and get the drop there. There's 10 other guys that do that as a literal job, and, and I'll let them do that. Uh, but otherwise, anything else before we move on from football? Uh, we're going to get into this basketball side. What is, what is Santiago Vesca be thinking? Maybe Triple J, where are they at? We want to talk about that. But anything else with football before we move on, Zach? Now, unfortunately, I think that kind of wraps it up. So we're going to you know, close the bed, hopefully on football till August. Cause like you said, or like we said earlier, if, if anything comes up between now and August outside of just a few little things here and there, it's probably not good news. So hopefully it's quiet, but it is disappointing to kind of see it go dormant for a couple of months here. I know. And I, we've already said it. We, as much as we want to have more stuff to talk about, let's just, you know, keep it low key. And, no arrest. Uh, mis- yeah, no arrest for sure. As uh, Mr. Jones mentioned, Nico's little brother, Madden, uh, he's not committed anywhere yet. And I'm sure Tennessee will strongly be in the mix there, too, with 2025 guy, even though they have a 2024 yeah. guy. I like that Mr. Jones, he, uh, a big 
Titans fan. He's been mentioning, imagine if Hinton Hooker went to the Titans. They would gain 100,000 fans instantly. It, it would make up for, um, at least partially. I've always said the, the Titans were so ill-timed. They came into existence right when Peyton went into the league, and every Tennessee fan followed Peyton to Indy. That, like, you know, that was the move. There was no NFL team for the fans here. And suddenly the NFL team became Peyton's NFL team. Uh, you know, I, I think that could make up for it a little bit, but I, I think it would take him going there and becoming the starter, though. Like, he, he would really have to do it for yeah. that to finally translate over where, I mean, t- that's where just a like, lot of Tennessee fans became Titans fans. Well, it's just like Josh Dobbs being in, in with the Titans last season, those two starts. I mean, he generated a ton of excitement for those two starts, and he looked good at times. But if he played the whole season and went, you know, 6-11... and 11, that excitement's eventually going to die down if you're not winning a bunch of games. And that's not to say that's what would happen with Josh Dobbs if he would have been the guy. Who knows? He's never really had that opportunity to be a long-term starter. But, yeah, you definitely have to win games. Titans would make some sense for Hooker. It's going to be fun not to get too much on the draft, but it's going to be fun to watch that draft unfold because I think it's going to be one of the wildest ones yet. I think there will be lots of trades, lots of jockeying. There's lots of teams that make sense for Hooker. The Titans – the Lions, the Saints, uh, the Seahawks, a lot of these teams that have veteran quarterbacks that aren't probably their long-term guy where you could draft Hooker and let him sit behind them for a little while, uh, maybe a full year, and, and maybe you know give him a shot next season to start. It'll be interesting to see if somebody jumps up into the first round to grab him to get that fifth-year option attached to him. Or if they wait a little bit, he falls. And and also with Will Levis and Anthony Richardson, like I'm very yeah. intrigued to see if is the hype real and they go top ten or they do like Malik Willis last year and slide maybe, you know, late first, second. I don't think they'll go to the third round like Willis, but that that's something to watch. That will be a, a topic for next week. Ten days from now, uh it's gonna be the NFL draft, and we're gonna talk about all the balls in the NFL draft next week. Give you a little cliffhanger there. Um, and then obviously the week after that, we'll talk about where they go and what it means for Tennessee also. But it's uh, April 27th, I think, is the start. Yeah, a week from this Saturday. Yep. Uh, in what, Kansas City, I think? Yeah. Um, it's not Nashville, it? but it should be fun in Kansas City, I would think. That's a good city, but it's going to be hard to top that draft in Nashville. I've never been. Never been to Kansas City. Never had a reason. Never, uh, like, never really been to any of those. Uh, Nebraska, oh, Iowa, never been to Iowa. Flyover states. I hate calling them that, though. There's, there's cool stuff there. There's cool oh, stuff yeah. in all those states. But the, I mean, that literally, that's what I've done. I have flown over those states my entire life and never gone to them. <laughs> I've, I've gone to most of the West Coast and all of the East Coast, but never there. Um, anywho, all right, we're going to talk about basketball. And the the complete lack of news from basketball and what it might mean right after I tell you about Farm Bureau Health Plans. Farm Bureau Health Plans has been serving Tennesseans for over 75 years. Much has changed in Tennessee over the years, but some have stayed the same. Farm Bureau Health Plans has always valued personal relationships, especially when it comes to good health and good service. Plan on Farm Bureau Health Plans for health, for dental, and vision. For better coverage, better rates, and better service, go to fbhb.com slash atoz. Or walk into one of their 200-plus locations across the state of Tennessee. That is fbhp.com slash A-T-O-Z, Farm Bureau Health Plans. Now, I wish I had news to give here. I wish I could say Santiago Vescovi is coming back. Josiah Jordan James is coming back. 
Julian Phillips is coming back. None of that has happened. And, you know, you can read the tea leaves as much as you want to. Josiah had a, a little bit of a cryptic tweet this past week. Um, you've heard essentially nothing from Scovey. You've heard nothing from the transfer portal. There were a couple of transfer guys in town this weekend. Neither of them committed yet. Um, you know, with with our luck with this show, maybe one during this segment, one of them will commit. Who knows? But it just hasn't happened yet. Do I, I've seen some Tennessee fans kind of going like like taking the black pill on this one where they're going, ah, Barnes is giving up. He's not, we're not getting any of those guys back. We're not getting transfers. It's over. Bah, 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 bah. Where do you stand, Zach, on, on what we've seen so far or haven't seen so far from the basketball team? Yeah, I'm pretty much in wait and see mode. Like, let's see how this plays out because I don't really know yet how this calendar is going to work every year with basketball in the transfer portal. It's still a work in progress. I mean, we're even seeing the changes with football and how these guys make their decisions. So, I, th- I mean, I don't know what Barnes is. I don't know what his philosophy is on this or his approach. I, I would assume that he's waiting to see if Vescovy and, and, and James and uh, Phillips come back before he goes to the portal. Maybe you have to. I, I'm not sure how that works out. I think it seems like Vescovy, uh, Valquest reported that he's leaning towards returning to Tennessee. So that would, you know, obviously that would be a positive, I think, for Tennessee. With James, it's less clear. With Phillips, it's less clear. Wouldn't be surprised if both of those move on. And then we'll see about those. Uh, you know, I know they had a couple of visitors, like you mentioned, one from Northern Colorado, one from Harvard. Would be nice to get either of those guys. The guy from Northern Colorado averaged like 20 points a game last season. So surely you could find a role for him and, and he could be, a, you know, an, an asset to Tennessee basketball. But no, for me, I'm just really in wait and see mode. I mean, maybe it's too soon after the end of the season to get too worked up over it. Perhaps that's the case, but I don't think it's anything to worry about yet. I think the most disappointing thing that I've seen is that kind of across the board, everyone has been speculating that Julian Phillips won't stay. And that just absolutely kills me because I, I look at him as an NBA talent. It's going to be years in my personal opinion. It'll be years before he's able to carve a spot out in the NBA. And by that, I mean like two, it's not going to be like forever, but he needs time to develop if he's going to reach that, level and he could do that at Tennessee. I, I don't want it to end up like this Kennedy Chandler situation. Mm-hmm. I mean he just got cut by the Grizzlies right before the playoffs and freaking Grizzlies losing to the Lakers. Don't get me started there. But um, to be fair, John Moran did almost break his hand. Hey so. yeah. Uh whole whole podcast I could do on that honestly uh <laughs> with the Grizzlies. But um you know you just look at what happened with Kennedy Chandler and you just go, dude you could have been on this team as a national championship team, man. It would have been the best backcourt yeah. in America. I don't know and, that he would have improved his draft stock a ton because of his size. That was always going to be the not. biggest negative for him. But yeah, for sure. Why don't you come back and, and try to at least get to a final four? Because that would have been so nice to have, especially when Zachai went down to have Chandler there would have been incredible. I mean, he, he just took the whole season and sat on the bench for the Grizzlies and he made money. And that's awesome. And I, I always encourage that. I'm not going to, I'm not blaming him. You do no. what is best for you, period. I bet if but, he could redo it, do it over again, he probably might think a lot harder. I'm going to say for sure I that do he wonder. would, is I don't know what his paycheck looks like that he's getting in the NBA, and that could be tough to to turn down. But with NIL stuff and the chance to compete for a championship, knowing the way things worked out in Memphis for him this season, 
I think he'd, he'd be hard pressed to to not reverse his decision. But the, it just seems like with the guys that are borderline NBA, like Phillips, they always just lean into, oh, well, you'll be late second round. Oh, you, you'll definitely you'll definitely get taken. Well, that doesn't mean that the situation is going to be good. Because at at Tennessee, I mean, I I don't know what they would what Tennessee would be willing to ante up with nil wise for Phillips, but I think given another year to develop, he could really be a great player. It's in there; it just has to be unleashed. Granted, I also say that, and I say I'm not sure he's a great fit for what Rick Barnes is doing. And I say, will Barnes unleash him if he comes? Yeah, back? and and I, you know, I don't know, man. I I'm very skeptical there, in, in the same. Like if he did come back, I don't know that that's the best decision for him. I mean, I honestly, I feel like I could almost see him stay in college and go somewhere else. (laughs) Yeah, transfer away, which I want to talk about something that would just make me ill to my core. It would be that, but I could see it happening. What about James? What's your opinion on what he should do? Because that to me, that's the like with the injury stuff that's such a loaded question i feel like with the injury stuff but the impact he makes when he plays but you can't count on him to be out there every single night or at least the best version of himself every single night does it mess up the chemistry of the team when you're mixing these lineups you know up and down with with with, depending on his status where you at there there would have to be some kind of guarantee of consistency and that's just not there with him as a player Cause yeah, to your point there, just the chemistry, like there were games where he would come in and be the dude for you. And then there were games where he would come in and just chuck up shots and just waste possessions and just, uh, he, I mean, he was a flat out liability at times because he didn't play consistently enough. He, he was all over the place. So if there was some guarantee of consistency with Santiago Vescovi, there's a guarantee of consistency. If he comes back, he is probably going to drop in 10 to 20 a night and, and be one of the best guards in the sec. That's essentially guaranteed as long as he's healthy. And he's had health problems too. There's the shoulder and everything that happened with him this year. Yeah. You know, he's had that too, but there is an actual guarantee of consistency. And because of that, I mean, I just, I probably lean like 55% let Triple J go. Just let him. Do I think the potential is there for him to have finally the incredible season that he could? Yeah, but what's the percent chance of that happening? 10%. And so I I just almost in a, I'm being cautious in saying that and just go like, ah, just let him go. Just let him let him move on, but that that is also contingent on you got to go to the transfer portal. Hello, Rick. I mean, Rick's transfer portal work. He he's recruited incredibly. His his recruiting has been legitimately elite in the last few years at Tennessee. His transfer portal work has been pretty bad. Really not good. This last year it was Tyree Key. The year before that it was Euros Plavsic. Um, and and Key was fun for like <laughs> three or four games, and then. He didn't do a whole lot else besides that. And Euros Plavsic, firecracker out there, but he also gets you into a ton of trouble, doesn't really contribute that much offensively. We all know. We all watched him play. Uh, you know, I got to see something there. Like, come on. The, and and obviously, Olivier Kama, probably the most inconsistent dude on this entire team, but also at his best, one of the best guys on this entire team, transferring away. So you got to feel that. I 
it's it's a concerning situation to me. I'm I'm not sure what's going to happen. You're going to next year seems going to be a lot of young guys, and and maybe Santiago Vescovi, <laughs> and and a few others. I mean, he's not going to be the only upperclassman, but like that's it's going to be. I think just projecting out. I think it's going to be. I, I think Scovy ultimately Scovy is the only one that returns. I think from everything that I've heard so far. That's a pretty new basketball team. That's a pretty different basketball team. And maybe that's a good thing. Maybe. I'm just, I'm honestly just not sure. I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you on Vescovy. And I, I do wonder, you kind of alluded to it, what, how, you know, does Barnes go to the collective and say, hey, we need Phillips back because this seems going to be young and he can really step up. Let's, let's pay this kid whatever it takes to keep him. Or does he just kind of stay out of that? I could see Barnes being kind of old school and being like, I'm not paying anybody. If y'all want to figure this out, go yeah. for it. But I'm not getting involved in that. I think that's probably his approach. But I still I still maintain that I'm not I'm not too concerned yet, only because I'll let it play out. If it, if we get to August or something, late July, August, and there hasn't been any movement, and it looks like this young roster that you're talking about with no additions or no legitimate additions that are going to make the team better then yeah okay well, let's let's buckle up and see where this season goes it could be barnes last ride if it's not you know, if he doesn't significantly upgrade the roster yeah nug says zakai will be back that is huge yeah and um, hopefully he's back 100 percent by november i mean that's still what, that's what was i was gonna late, say late was it late january or was it february when he tours acl whatever it was it was in the winter months yeah i mean that's I think I think you were talking to be back to 100% after a torn ACL. I don't I mean that's going to be close. I I would bet a chunk of change. I would be willing to do that that Zakai probably doesn't come back at the beginning of the season. Yeah, he's he, a, he should wait till conference play. I mean that would he's be a, a conference play move. Yeah. yeah. Yes, conference play or maybe maybe if you I don't know what the schedule looks like, but you lose a game in mid-November, it's not a big deal. It's really no. not. And and I, I yeah, I don't know what the schedule is. Maybe if there's some big games in that non-con, maybe they try to work him back in there. Kind of kind of like uh Triple J this past season. I could see it going like that. Um, but yeah, in the long term, I mean Sakai's your point guard for the next two years, and that's awesome. And he's he's gonna be before he leaves Tennessee, as long as he stays healthy, he's gonna be the best point guard in the SEC uh before he leaves tennessee so i yeah this team is is gonna probably look pretty different obviously we'll talk about that um when it comes uh i tried to speak it into existence it doesn't look like any news actually dropped while we were doing the show unfortunately <laughs> but we'll try again it'll next happen. week if, if we don't hear anything it'll happen right after we we turn this off exactly well maybe we'll have to have a midweek segment then that'll be okay but uh yeah just uh hello somebody somebody Make a decision. I'd like to know what's happening with the basketball team. But uh, we'll finish with baseball. Mm. Getting swept by Arkansas. Um, you are. This is a tough part of this conversation. You're kind of bordering on maybe missing the NCAA tournament uh, with this baseball team. And we're going to talk about that right after I tell you about our final sponsor. Omaha Steaks. Uh, I got to get, hold on. I have a, they gave me a whole new fresh read here. Here it is right here. Omaha steaks is rewriting the book on burgers with 
all new handmade texture for the juiciest homestyle burgers you have ever tasted. Their pure ground burgers are made from single cuts of real aged Omaha steaks. These are truly steaks on a bun. Filet mignon, ribeye, New York strip, sirloin, and even brisket burgers. Now is the time to experience the exclusive burger perfection flight. Go to omahasteaks.com and use promo code balls at checkout to get an extra $20 off orders of $129 or more plus free shipping. Order today so you can try the each pure ground burger and sample all of the steak on a bun greatness. These burgers are crafted for juicier, more tender experience, making your mouth water with every single bite. I've tried uh, the regular burgers from Omaha Steaks, just kind of the Omaha Steaks burgers, and those are phenomenal. I mean, really, genuinely, I mean that. Uh, yeah, it's an ad, but I seriously, they've sent them to me. They're really, really good. So I can only imagine that these are incredible. So get your hands on them. Don't wait. Go to omahasteaks.com. Use promo code balls at checkout to get an extra $20 off orders of $129 or more and discover your new burger obsession. Minimum order may be required. Omahasteaks.com. Promo code balls. Support them because they support us. And also, I mean, those steaks and burgers are amazing. Uh, so the baseball team goes and gets annihilated by Arkansas. I mean, it's pretty much that simple. They didn't. They they had a, some early leads in those first two games, like a 2-0 lead in one and a 1-0 lead in the other, and then just got blown out of the water. That, that first game was close, but outside of that, I mean, it just wasn't... It's was probably the, the worst major game of the season for Beam. They switched up the, uh, the pitchers, finally. Andrew Lindsay came in. He was the starter on Friday, really put in an admirable effort, and then the defense sucked it up and lost the game for you. So where, and as I said, you're now bordering on, you might be looking at no NCAA tournament. No, it's not a given. And the schedule gets easier from here. You basically played an absolute murderer's row of teams in the last few weeks. But I mean, how, how concerned are you, Zach? Well, for this season, I'm, I'm very concerned. I'm, I don't see it turning around. I don't think it's going to have this magical ending. Maybe I'm wrong. I just don't see it long-term. I'm not that concerned because I'm a baseball guy. I've seen so many baseball teams do incredible things one season from all levels, and then you lose a couple of guys. You replace them with similar production, and on paper it makes sense, and then it just doesn't work. For whatever reason, the chemistry's not there. And baseball is such a chemistry sport. Like It's so important, the clubhouse, the vibe. You start losing confidence. You get in a slump. You're pressing. It's really hard to come up with those key hits. It's really hard to play defense when you're not playing loose and free and you're worried about making an error. That's when the errors always happen. And Tony Vitello pretty much questioned his team's toughness after this Arkansas series and wondered if they're tough enough uh, to, to win in this league and to win the games that they have to win and then just baseball in general. And to me, that was quite telling. And I think that's a lot of the issue. I just don't think this group that they've put together – gels the way they need to there's talent there like the talent is there on paper for this team to be really good and there's i mean at some point tony vitello will have to you know bear the responsibility of this season or if it continues down the road in in subsequent seasons but there's only so much he can do when you're in the moment like you can't change the vibe of a clubhouse you cannot change the attitude of a dugout or just the vibe none of that's like you can't do that with just a snap of fingers i mean there's certain things that Vitello can do strategically during games that he can try, like he did this weekend by, you know, mixing up the pitching staff and 
kudos to him for trying that and not just going to the same old thing that he'd been doing all season because that's just the way it's supposed to be. Dolander's the you know, 2022 SEC Pitcher of the Year, so we're going to leave him in that Friday slot no matter what. Like He showed a willingness to evolve, and, and we've seen that with some other lineup decisions at times this year, but Maui Ahuna hasn't been who you thought he'd be. He really only got like Blake Burke that's consistently, you know, hitting the ball out where last season it just felt like you, it was everybody in the lineup at some point could could do it whenever you needed it. So the consistency hasn't been there. And I just think it's it's just not the right group of of players for this Tennessee team. And maybe that was a miscalculation on Vitello's part. Maybe it's just bad luck. I mean, that does happen in baseball. And I don't think it's a nail in the coffin for this program by any means. Like I said, long term, I'm not I'm not concerned because Vitello's done some incredible things. It wasn't just last season, you know. I mean, the, the couple of years before that as well, or, or at least the year before, was a really good season. And I think if he can just get better personalities that fit his culture and his program a little, you know, more can more of those guys basically. I think they'll be fine. But for this season, man. It, it, unless they just flip a switch that that I don't know exists, it's it's going to be hard to see them turning this thing around. Especially like once you get swept and lose this many consecutive series, it's really hard to come back from that. Really hard. I mean, baseball is definitely the prime sport for saying like, as of this moment, they are X because you. I mean, you've seen Ole Miss last season. Didn't really have a great regular season, wins the national championship. Same with Mississippi State the year before. That can absolutely happen where you just hit some kind of special gear and the ball rolls the way you want it to roll. And that that can happen. But I think I'm in agreement with you, Zach. At the moment, I'm just not sure they got it. I just don't think they do. And that's it's really unfortunate because I I think what you're probably going to see, I mean, you got Vandy this weekend. That's going to be sold out. That's it's Vandy. That that's a given Mississippi state the next weekend. And, and that's going to be, big it's games. a tough lead, man. It's a tough, it's a really tough lead, but he, here's, here's the honest God truth with football being back. And I know Tennessee, Tennessee fans don't really want to like talk about this, but like, it, it's just, it's the truth with football being back. If baseball's not good, all the ticket sales and the the new stadium and the whole thing. There's not going to be nearly as much enthusiasm for all of that because people are going to go, well, that was a fun season. And now I'm going to go watch football because that's Tennessee. That's that has been Tennessee historically. And don't act like we've changed our stripes. <laughs> this is still a football school. You see them in basketball. Basketball has had really fun seasons with Rick Barnes. And just because, you know, he just doesn't go out there and drum up enthusiasm and do all of those things. And at the end of the day, Tennessee fans, so many of them are just football fans. And so basketball, like it has to be something truly like out of this world special to get people to be uber enthusiastic about it. And I think that's going to apply to baseball. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong there. And I don't want to like saddle Vitello with that because I love Tony Vitello. He is arguably... As at this moment, the best major sport coach Tennessee has. Uh, and I I also agree with you. Long term, I'm not worried about Vitello. He has shown up to this point that he can build something really special, and I think he's still going to do it at Tennessee. I think he just misfired this season. Uh, so far, 
again, baseball is like the king of, as of this point, we're not good, but we'll see in the future. But, you know, it just seems like, and folks are saying it in the comments here, Ahuna's a bust. So far, again, so far, maybe he turns a corner. Uh, and And just some of the, stuff like that it just is what it is but i mean yeah nug, nug says it here vol can't change his checkers <laughs> vitello i i don't want to say like vitello needs to watch out but in some sense like you can't be bad at baseball tennessee and have anyone come it's not built in like that it's just not not at tennessee and and so that scares me a little bit with this that i would say it'll take till next season for that drop off to happen it it's built in for the rest of this year but per se, they missed the uh, NCAA tournament this year, and then it really doesn't get that much better next year. That that enthusiasm just gonna just gonna skydive. So hopefully that doesn't happen. But I think it's a reality that we probably gotta mention because that that really is the case. If football is gonna be good like this, Tennessee fans are gonna go watch football, and they're not really gonna lose a lot of sleep over the baseball team. So just you know. So some food for thought there. I hope that doesn't happen. I hope that they do turn some corner and figure it out and find some chemistry, but ugh, it's not looking like that's going to happen. No. And if we're being honest, I think we should have all seen this coming to some extent when you lose that many players that were so such big personalities and so clutch, your Jordan Becks and Drew Gilberts and, and, and Trey Lipstrom's and uh, there was just a ton of talent that they lost from that team. And you're, you're almost coming in with a brand new team. And then you're putting the expectations of 2021 and 2022 on this set of kids. And they're trying to live up to that pressure. They're trying to live up to the reputation that Tennessee earned the last couple of years. They're trying to be those villains. And they just, it's not, I'm not going to say it's not who they are, but that's a lot of pressure. I mean, that is a ton of pressure to try to live up to. Yeah, it's not who they are. And, and, and maybe, you know, to play, to play devil, devil's advocate to my point earlier saying, I don't think they're going to turn it around. Mr. Jones mentions here that, you know, Tennessee was the number one seed last year and the pressure was too much. Maybe with less expectations, they can go in and shock everyone. Yeah, that is one thing. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> That's the thing. <laughs> but that is one thing. At this point right now, they they fell out of the top 25 this week after getting swept by Arkansas, at least in, I think, D1's rankings. At some point, the pressure's off because everybody's like, okay, this Tennessee's not going to turn it around. When the pressure's off and the expectations go away, you kind of feel a little bit of relief and you can go out there and kind of be yourself and just play baseball. And that's when good things can start happening. So maybe, maybe that happens. I mean, that's like the one silver lining here with this getting swept by Arkansas. Maybe they can turn it around and and do like an Ole Miss or Mississippi State and put it all together. Because like we said, the talent is there. They've just, they're not on the same page. I mean, when you see teams making errors like that, it just tells you that the vibe is just not where it needs to be. Well, you have the perfect opportunity to turn it around because Vanderbilt coming in, you know, they're, they're a good team. I believe they won the series against South Carolina and South Carolina is having a really good year. I want to say, what is Vandy? They're probably number one in the sec East at the moment. Um, But you know, you're playing them in, in Lindsey Nelson. Now, Florida kicked your butt for two games in Lindsey Nelson two weeks ago. So don't let that happen again. Turn it on against Vandy. 
beat this Vandy team. And then especially, I mean, Mississippi State at this point, they have a worse record than Tennessee does. Turn it on against Mississippi State. That's in Lindsey Nelson, too. That's in Knoxville. Go win that series. And then and then I think we'll we'll still be cooking. That that'll be okay. Yeah. Vandy, what, 20, 29 and seven overall. They've won six more games than Tennessee. And I think they are, yeah, they won the series against South Carolina. So I think they're number one in the SEC East. I mean, this would be, this is the perfect opportunity to knock off a, a big team, uh, a team that's having a better season than you. And it's at home. So go beat them. Go beat Mississippi State the next week. And and then, you know, things, that, that could be the turning point. Maybe this is the, go have a closed door team only meeting and, and figure something out. I just... I'm not sure that's going to happen. Please. I, I'm i begging you. Please do it. <laughs> if you can take two out of three from Vandy, I think you win that Friday game, and that can really help you build some momentum. You lose that Friday game, I think the pressure is just going to get even bigger. But you yeah. you win two out of three against Vandy and sweep Mississippi State or, or even win two out of three against them, and you're back on track, and you can kind of take off from there. But, I mean, this is a pivotal point of the season, really, if you're going to make some noise in the postseason. Yeah, this this is this is big. I mean, I I would I'll put it this way: this is the biggest biggest series of the season. You swept these boys last year. Not only you didn't just sweep them, you swept them in the regular season, then you beat them in the SEC tournament, and and you kind of broke their morale last year. And now you have another chance to have a series against Vandy, kind of be a turning point in one way or another. It could kind of solidify the fact that you're going nowhere, or it could kind of. Uh, be the motivation you need going forward if you can get a big win over a over a team having a better season than you. So we'll see. No pressure. <laughs> Hopefully they can pull it off. Um, I think that's it. Uh, Charlie Burris, Zach Reagan. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you to everybody who watched, commented. Mr. Jones, Ben, Ben is in here commenting. Now, John Hill, as always, he's telling folks to hit the like button, and we really appreciate it. Nug, Salem, Ashton, thank you, thank you, thank you to anyone and everyone uh, for watching. We are incredibly humbled and appreciative for watching this, for watching the live stream from the the field at Neyland Stadium over the weekend. Uh, and we'll be back maybe for a midweek segment not totally sure but watch out for that on the a to z sports nashville youtube channel anything else for the folks at home zach before we bounce no that that should about cover it. Uh, ben hall was in here talking about some of the stuff that vitello said sunday we talked about that a little bit earlier he definitely did call that out their toughness and uh you combine that comment with also a comment he made a few weeks ago about their plate appearances and not being aggressive enough basically and just looking at strike three and not having competitive at bats and you can can definitely sense the frustration with Vitello with this team. Absolutely. Just go out there and, and be Vandy. That's all I'll say. Go ahead and do it. Because first of all, it's a long off season. We're going to need something to talk about. And if the baseball team <laughs> doesn't make the NCAA tournament, what are we going to talk about? <laughs> so please, please do that. I need it. I need it. I need it. Uh, thanks again to everybody. Can't appreciate you enough. You guys are Way too good to us. Charlie Burroughs, Zach Reagan, A to Z sports.com, yada, yada, yada. You know where to go. Uh, Yeah, that's it. We'll talk to y'all maybe later this week, maybe next week. We'll talk to y'all then. See you guys later.